Vibe Drive. Everyone, welcome back. And today we have a special interview with our guest, Lori Gruskin. She's a fourth year dental student about to graduate. And she provides us with a wealth of information about discussing all things dental school, applying for jobs, what to look for in applying for jobs, and then securing your job and going through the steps from there. So I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. And remember, anyone studying for boards right now, make sure to use the code VIBES75 on bnbdental.com and that'll get you $75 off your purchase and as always follow us on instagram at dental.student.vibes and check out our new teespring account you guys can see all the coolest dental apparel that we've created for you guys it's pretty awesome we're all wearing the shirts we want to see you guys in them too so hope you guys enjoy the episode welcome back to another episode of the dental student vibes podcast i'm your host seth kalish and today we have matt havis cole herzik and special guest Lori gruskin Lori Gruskin is a fourth-year dental student, and she's going to talk to us today about her experience in dental school, how she uh, got into dental school, and then rose up the ranks, and now she's about to graduate. So, Lori, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Wonderful. So, Lori, can you tell us how bring, – bring us way back when and, and tell us what was your experience applying to dental school? What were some things that uh, – some problems you might have – run into and just give us that whole uh, journey. So I actually had to apply to dental school twice. Not a lot of people will admit that they had to apply to dental school twice, but I applied during my junior year going into senior year of college so that I would not have to take a gap year. And I took the DAT, I did the Kaplan course, but there was a subsection of my DAT that was low. So during the application process, when schools would send me back a rejection, unfortunately, I would write back to them and ask them how I could improve my application for the following cycle. And all of them stated that I should retake the DAT just to get my one subsection that had a low score up. So I did have one interview in Arizona during that cycle. It was a later interview in February. And I went there and Of course, I was hoping that I would get in, but unfortunately I didn't, but I wasn't going to give up on getting into dental school. So like all the schools that rejected me said, I retook the DAT. I actually only had to study for three weeks for that time. I got a private tutor for two hours a day, three times a week. And she also has a course that she does, but I had her privately tutor me. And within those three weeks, I got my one subsection that I had done really poorly in up by three points, my overall score up by one, and I applied to dental school and had three interviews prior to December 1st. And on December 1st, woke up and at 8.23 a.m. had an acceptance letter. You still remember that. So, Lori, what were some what are some tips that you can give our listeners who are uh, pre-dental uh, about the interview process? So I would say during the interview process, something really important is to dress nicely. During one of my interviews, there was a girl wearing a cheetah blazer, which caught me really off guard because even though you do want to stand out as an applicant, you don't want to stand out in a bad way. 
So when you do get to the interview, usually they already know everything about you. They just want to see if what the face is like in comparison to the application. Like, are you normal or are you strange? Because in dentistry, at least from everything I've heard today, you know, you have to have a good personality for your patients to want to come back. So that would be one thing. Be yourself because and then also have actual answers that aren't cookie cutter because these interviewers interview hundreds of thousands of people and they've heard the I want to be a dentist because I want to save teeth they've heard that thousands of times so I would say to like have an actual reason why you want to join the field of dentistry so being yourself you know just let them get to know you because that's your time to shine during the interview right okay um so you're saying don't stand out in a in a bad way, right? right. And I guess uh, an important point is also that uh, a lot of schools want to see how you're going to fit in. And, you know, it is a professional clinical setting, right? Right. So you're going to want to be professional. And I, I guess a, a cheetah blazer is not – maybe it would be professional. It would be okay to wear that if, if any of you guys have listened to or watched um, – Tiger King. Tiger King, yeah. Maybe if you went to an interview at uh, one of the, at the what the what's the guy's name? At Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, since Tiger King was in Oklahoma with Joe um, Exotic. Exotic. Joe Exotic, yeah. If you went to interview for Joe Exotic, then you could wear the Tiger uh, blazer. But okay. So during the first year of dental school, I was really nervous to start because you're told that dental school is going to be super hard. You might not sleep that you might get only two hours of sleep a day, if anything, there won't be any spare time. So when I got there, I was really nervous, but it actually wasn't as difficult as they told us and tried to scare us into thinking it would be. I think dental school is, as long as you put in the right amount of work, you'll succeed. So it wasn't terrible, although it was something that was necessary to get used to since in college, you know, there were the big classes and your professors didn't know you. But in dental school, your professors do know you. They know you by name. You'll see them at the grocery store. You'll see them in the community. So they really do care for you. And that was really nice to see. Like if you didn't do well on a test, they would want to meet with you and see what was going on and see how to help you. Like I personally got a tutor for one of my classes and that was super helpful. And I ended up going up like 30 points on the test in that class that I wasn't doing well on. So I'd say just the first year of dental school, the biggest learning curve is getting used to how to study because it's different topics that you don't have in undergrad. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are some techniques that really change the game for you with studying? Repetition. All mm-hmm. I could say is repetition, repetition, repetition. Okay, so what did you do? Flashcards, Quizlet? So I would read chapters for my classes and then I would make Quizlets during the first read, then I would read the chapter again, go through the Quizlet, and then I would do that multiple times, as many times as I had enough time for prior to the test. Okay. Um, Any other uh, tools that you use? Like, what did you use to take notes? Anything specific that was helpful Um, for you? I have an obsession with pens. So I have about 20 different color pens. So I was writing handwritten notes for a while. Okay. And So you don't like to type your notes? I think... There's pros and cons about whether or not you should type or if you should write. I think writing does take longer, but you do sometimes learn it better since you're handwriting it versus typing, which while typing, you can be watching TV, but you can't really do that while writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Right. That's a nice thought. Um, so, Laura, you mentioned some things you did while you were in school. So let's talk about some things outside of school. What did you do throughout your first year to kind of get yourself acclimated to your area? So I became friends with other people within my class. We would go to the beaches since our school is near the beach. Um, I would go to the gym. I did start babysitting and tutoring for some spare money because, you know, in dental school, you're balling on a budget on our loans. So I did that. That did take up a lot of time, the babysitting and tutoring and then reading books, working out, you know, just like the day to day things. Mm -hmm. Did you find yourself um, being a little bit more productive? Say you're on a schedule. Are you a schedule kind of person or do you just kind of, you know, set up a list of things you need to do today and then kind of cross them off as you go through? So I go back and forth between an actual schedule versus a checklist, but I found that the checklist works better for me, but I do have to have a weekly, like a daily checklist to make sure I get certain things done each day of the week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we always tell uh, our listeners, you know, it, it's a lot more helpful to have a regimented schedule, regimented day and, you know, just have some order to your life because then things like uh, COVID will happen and then it all kind of just blows up, you know? So everything out of whack, but, you know, we're starting to get into the swing of things, you know, at Zoom University now. Yeah, I'm loving Zoom University. It's very insightful. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, tell me about, um, let's talk about when you started moving into clinic. Tell me about that experience. So moving into the clinic at first, it was really scary working on human patients because not only do you have to have the clinical skills, but you also need to have a personality. So some patients, you know, are more scared of the dentist versus others that are like, I'll open as wide as you want. Just do what you need to. So I think going into the clinic was just hard putting that all together at first since you're so nervous about drilling in someone's mouth. You've never done it before. And plastic teeth are a lot different than human teeth. Mm -hmm. So I think that was like the biggest challenge and then getting the patients to accept the treatment plan. And then also, you know, when you're in dental school, the treatment prices are usually reduced. So the patients that do come in are usually not the same patients that are going to go into a practice that's fee for service. So having, you know, you'll get like all excited. Oh, I got this big root canal that's coming in and the patient just no shows. So that was something to get used to. And then like Going into the fourth year, though, we were able to make our own schedules so we could see more patients, not just one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So I think, at least at my school, that during the fourth year is when you get the most clinical experience. And then also, like, so during third year, the preceptors will, like, hold your hand. But during fourth year, they're only going to hold your hand if you ask. Mm -hmm. So I think that was nice because that's also, like, leading the way to be a better practitioner once you graduate because I'm personally not planning on going into a a residency program. I want to just go and work. Okay. So let's dive deeper uh, into your patient interaction. So you said it's it's tough to get patients to accept your treatment plan. So uh, what were some of the rejections that you got? I mean, you have some pretty common ones that you see pretty often, right? Um, So I would say when a patient has a tooth that's in pain and the caries extend to the pulp. So, you know, there's either the treatment option of root canal buildup and crown, or you can extract it. So an extraction, at least at our school, is only $45 versus root canal buildup and crown, which might end up being a thousand. And since the patients that do come to the school usually are in a financial need, the difficulty is trying to get them to save their teeth. 
I would say because, you know, if you extract the tooth and that if the patient's still young, that's going to lead to a lot of problems in the future with drifting of the teeth. And then if they do want to put a tooth there in the future, you know, an implant or a bridge is going to cost a lot more money. So I think like a big struggle is getting the patients to accept the more expensive end treatment more than anything. And then also at our school, we do comprehensive care. And a lot of these patients haven't been to the dentist in years. So they'll say, well, you know, just tooth number 19 really hurts. And we'll be like, okay, tooth 19 hurts, but you also have 10 other cavities. But then they'll just want you to fix their chief complaint and then see you never. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was listening to, um, what was it? Uh, I think it was either uh, Mark Costas or somebody, or maybe it was Howard Ferran, but they were saying that when we get out of school, like, okay, you, you know that schools have this certain um, payment plan and stuff. Or they don't have a payment right, plan. Right, everyone has to pay up front. Right. But it's definitely a good idea to start looking into that when you get out of school. Um, and, you know, instead of a pay, just giving the patient whatever their insurance will cover, suggest to them that, hey, you know what, you can also like use this payment plan. Um, a common one is uh, care credit. And then they'll be able to accept more treatment, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. Because a lot of patients will... Mm-hmm. Seth, I think a big thing um, to mention, we were just talking about like the, you know, trying to explain to patients about the necessity of getting something done and not really looking at the price. Right. So a big thing is, you know, we mentioned in one of our previous episodes about that dental conference that I went to. And a great way that it was put um, was that Dr. Robert Marcus, he went to a good strategy of you simply sit down with the patient. And you say, OK, listen, what do you really care about? Do you care about how you look or do you care about being in pain? And, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to worry about the pain, especially if they're in pain. Right. So the big thing is explaining to that patient the value of that. Say, OK, I can take you out of pain today, but do you want to keep being in pain going down the road? Or would you rather me solve your issue now? You made the investment up front and it's going to save you money in the long run because you're not going to see my face more and more times. You're going to see my face maybe a few times and then we take care of your problem. So down the road, I'm saving mm -hmm. you more money an upfront investment. Right. And I think it's good. That, that's a great point. And I think it's a good uh, thing to use analogies to uh, convey this information to patients. Is there any that you've used before? Anything that you've said? Personally, no. I just try to explain to them what's going on and I'll show them pictures. I mean, I don't call the the, I won't say, oh, you're gingiva, I'll say your gums, or I'm not going to say, oh, the caries, I'll say like, oh, you have a cavity, you know, it's getting bigger, and then now it's extending to like where the nerves in your tooth are, I'm not going to call it the pulp, mm -hmm. so you do have to put it like in easier terms, like dentistry for dummies, I guess you would call it. <laughs> are you calling your patients dumb? <laughs> no, I'm not calling my patients dumb, but I'm saying that they don't understand all of the terminology that we do yeah. learn in school, because then, like, if you're saying, like, oh, the mesial lingual cusp of tooth yeah. number 19, like, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? So you just mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, there's a cavity on your back left tooth. Right. I've got a, I've got a good analogy for you, Seth. So mm -hmm. when you go to buy a car, you have two options. You can buy a new car that you know is guaranteed you for, you know, let's just say uh, 80 to 100,000 miles without an issue, let's just say. And then you go to buy, you know, a kind of a beat up used car. It's got a couple couple hundred thousand miles on it. You know, you know, great, you got a car either way. However, you have way more chance of one failing than the other one and durability, longevity, all those mm -hmm. different things to look at. So you can present it maybe in something like that, whereas it's something that they know. Because 
all of the consumers out there, they're exactly that. They're a consumer of cars. They know cars. They might not know dentistry. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that works. I mean, and then you can talk about like, uh, you know, patching a tire, you know, that's like giving a filling or something like that, you know? Right. Another thing you could do is too, you can uh, try to relate whatever their profession is because, you know, people aren't dumb. They'll figure out dentistry. So if they're going to figure out dentistry and they need to relate it to what they know. For instance, I was uh, assisting a, a third year student one time and they had this guy come in. He was 91 years old and he walks in and he was like literally like a genius. Like his IQ tested off the charts and he's currently designing a new shape in order to store memory in the for the Internet. And I've never even heard of what such that, a thing. What does that even mean? I, I couldn't even <laughs> tell you. And he tried explaining it to me and I had a blank look. I was like, I'm just going to stick to teeth because that is way too hard. And he's like inventing a new shape for more efficient storage of material. And I, I thought it was the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard. And he, we were trying to relate it to, you know, memory and stuff like that. And he really started understanding because like, he, he did very well in life, but he was still very apprehensive to pay the, for the treatment. So we had to relate it to what he did in uh, as a profession. And that's what led to him accepting our treatment plan. Right, right. Okay, uh, so Lori, how about uh, your fourth year now? You just you're just wrapping that up. Give me that experience for your fourth year. So during the fourth year, there is a lot more freedom. We do more of our own treatment planning. We don't have to get every little thing checked by the preceptors, although they do want to see your preps, they want to see your restorations, but you know they don't really always care to look at your profies type of things per se. You know they they do trust you a lot more, and as the year has progressed, they've the trust has grown. I'd say there are a lot more patients during our fourth year just because of we're faster and we're able to make our own schedules. But now with COVID-19, we're not in school. So that's pretty unfortunate because I feel like, you know, I might lose a little bit of the speed that I recently gained, you know, since working up our speed is a big thing during the fourth year, especially since when we do go and work, we want to try to get as fast as possible. So I'd say fourth year has progressed really well. There are a lot of things, though, going on during fourth year, you know, such as the licensing exams and finding a job, which are both very time consuming because for the licensing exams, there's pressure that's on to find the the perfect board lesions. And then for, you know, looking for a job, you want to find what you think would be the perfect job for you right out of school. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's dive deeper into that. Um, what was your experience looking for a job? So I personally started looking for a job in the month of September. And at first it's like, do I do corporate or do I do private? Because everyone says, oh, you stay away from corporate. But then, you know, it is very difficult to get a job at a private practice right out of school. So I was like, let's apply everywhere. So I was in contact with just about every single company's corporate company's recruiters, probably the only person at my school that contacted all of them because I wanted to see what would be best for me because a lot of people, you know, will be like, oh, no, don't work for this company, work for this one. And, you know, just everyone has their own opinions of all the corporate companies. And I think that everyone needs to go see them for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that was really important to go see it for myself because a company that a majority of my classmates ended up signing with, I did not like at all since each company does have their own model, like of how they'll pay you and how to like grow within the company. 
So I think what was the most important in my job search was going and seeing every company and, you know, going on different interviews because then like some interviews were only 15 minutes long. They won't even let you look at the practice. So I was like, well, that's not where I want to end up, even if it's just for a few years following graduation. But then the practice that I chose to work at, I felt super comfortable at, you know, they wanted you to come shadow. It wasn't a problem at all. And they would explain to you, they would talk to you and everyone was super friendly. So I think for me, at least following graduation, working at a corporate entity is going to be the best for me personally to increase my speed, you know, see a lot of different patients, you know, procedures, and they'll teach me everything, not everything, but a lot of the things that I need to Mm -hmm. learn since at school, you only learn so much since there's only so many patients, but instead of only seeing two patients a day, I'll probably end up seeing 20. So 10 times the amount, which is going to be a really big change for me, but I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Now, Lori, would you be able to, uh, run us through like, do you have a checklist on what you use to look for each, uh, like job opportunity that you had any interviews and stuff like that? Did you use any checklists or did you just kind of show up and then see what felt right? So a friend of mine had actually suggested me making an Excel sheet. So I made an Excel sheet, wrote all of the company names and, you know, all the important things like, is there a non-compete? Is there a contract? You know, like, is there a draw? like their daily rates, are you paid on production or collections? So I did that and I like wrote every single corporate company and the private practices that I was in contact with, all of that information down. And you know, you have to weigh the pros and cons because then it came down to two companies at the end and I was really unsure of who to choose because like I had an emotional connection to one of the companies and I just had to do what was right for me now because I also didn't want to like ruin a relationship with one person for another because you know just in life in general relationships are very important to keep because at the end of the day you don't know who you're going to come in contact with like five years down the road and you don't want to ruin anything don't want to burn bridges right so I think at the end of the day I'm really happy with my decision of who I did decide to work for Although my start date's going to change with COVID-19. So yeah. who knows when I'll get to start practicing dentistry right. as a licensed dentist. So have you um, heard anything from them about um, what, when was your start date going to be? June 25th. Okay. So do you, have you talked to them or have they reached out to you to say anything about, oh, we might have to push it back or um, can, I don't know. Can they like, if you already signed the contract, can they cancel it? Like, I don't know how. So I think prior to working anywhere, both parties can cancel the contract. I think that's with any job, not just dentistry. But the head recruiter did reach out to me and he told me that my job is still secure. The start date may change more than likely because, you know, my ADEX exam, we do have a date, but it's still up in the air with COVID-19 and whether or not Trump is going to lift all of the different restrictions on people. So the job's still there, although I wish I were able to start it June 25th for sure, but that's still unknown. Maybe they'll let me be a dental assistant till I'm a licensed dentist if they have a need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what about, um, go ahead, Cole. Uh, so, Lori, what have you, so you obviously were very busy in the beginning of the year um, with, you know, preparing for your job and trying to make sure that you found the right fit and getting your speed up. So now that COVID-19 has happened, 
you know, what have you been doing in the realm of dentistry to kind of keep yourself acclimated? So at least for the fourth years at my school, they're having us listen to different lectures on Zoom by different professors at the school. And then we're doing CE courses online. So which there's it's pretty awesome. They're letting us do the CEs because we have to do it for school. And I'm a member of the AGD. So then I get credit towards getting my FAGD in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is good. That's good. What about tell me more about ADEX? What's the deal with the ADEX? Because we, we talked on a previous episode that um, CODA's meeting on April, well, a bunch of dates. April 13th. April. Yeah, okay, so it's April 13th now. Um, what's the deal with that? So at my school, we were initially supposed to take ADEX the weekend of March 20th to the 22nd. I was going to take it March 21st, and that was canceled. Unfortunately, the students that got to take it the weekend before were really lucky. And then they put our ADEX exam for April 29th to May 1st, but with Trump's restrictions, that was canceled. So now our ADEX is May 22nd through the 24th, which is still up in the air. And that is also Memorial Day weekend. So a lot of us are very like unsure if our patients are even going to show. That's like a really risky weekend to do right. it. Well, you know, they, they just came up with that thing, the JCNDE. Well, uh, so then there's now the, te it's either a test or like a type it on ADEX exam. But our dean will have to, I think, reach out to CODA and the state. So I think everything is still up in the air. But maybe we'll receive a little more clarity following CODA's meeting on April 13th. So I'm going to cross my fingers and toes for that. Uh -huh. And I just want to be a licensed dentist. And it's also really <laughs> annoying that we're having, we we're having a virtual graduation. So I might have to buy myself a cap and gown off Amazon to take some pictures. Because oh, yeah. the most exciting part about graduation is taking the pictures in that circular cap yeah. instead of the square one from college. <laughs> I'm going to wear my cheetah blazer to that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram. I saw this post today. It was actually a school in Japan that had a virtual graduation with all the students but they had the professor that was giving the ceremony in there with a bunch of robots and it was oh everyone yeah this is the ipad and they dressed the ipad up in the cap and gown and they had everyone walk across yeah i mean oh. you know hey this is an option yeah, i mean I no that. i would like to personally walk across so maybe our school can like have an actual ceremony like in december that would be really nice i know a lot of my classmates are hopeful for something like that since this is such a big achievement and to not be able to walk across that stage and have our family and friends be there kind of sucks in all honesty. Can we yeah. just like wear hazmat suits so you're there, but then you're like, you know, PPE and whatnot? <laughs> I want to be dressed up nicely with my heels, my hair done. Well, we'll get yeah. you, we'll have the Louis on under it. I'm sure you could have like, yeah. a, like a, what, the Louboutins? Yeah, the Louis. Okay, I didn't know I was going to wear those, yeah. but okay. Yeah, so... I mean, and we can make it clear so everyone can see your outfit. You can still stun as you walk across the Okay, stage. yeah. So. That sounds great. Awesome. Awesome, Lori. So is there any uh, advice that you would give to a student that is about to be entering dental school? Because it is April right now, and it's prime time to get your application ready. So advice for a student about to enter dental school. Do not take the DAT lightly. People are becoming more and more intelligent is what it is. I'm seeing. So I think, you know, pushing the DAT and all those tests off until the last minute is not the best idea. Trying to score as high as possible when you do go to the interview, you know, be yourself. Don't act fake. They've seen it all. They've seen the act, you know, like 
Um, what else would I say? It, when you do actually start dental school, I would not put your eggs all in one basket for everything. I think a lot of people like get too comfortable too quickly, like with friend groups, and they don't realize that like things change super fast in dental school. Like the people I was friends with in first year, I don't speak to. And I'd say that goes throughout my whole entire class that that happened, like the friendships change. So I think like my biggest advice is like dental school drama. Yeah, there's always <laughs> the dental school drama. So I'd say like, you know, just don't get too comfortable because you don't know when things are going to change. Okay. Yeah. And dental school is people are still a little immature, I would say, in dental school because you're still in school. So they don't realize like there's a world out there mm -hmm. that's still happening outside of the school doors. So that would be my advice is just to, you know, be aware, know what's going on and uh -huh. stay grounded, stay grounded. You know, also don't become too cocky that you're going to be a dentist because also you don't want to like push in people's face. Yeah, I'm in dental school. Although it does get annoying as a female when you go to the grocery store or anywhere and they're like, oh, are you going to be a hygienist? No, women can be dentists too. Equality here. It's so, 2020. Yeah, people don't realize that women can be dentists. So just stay grounded. And I would say that was that's my biggest advice. Right. Good. Okay. I love it. That's awesome, Lori. Um, so you kind of touched on it a little bit before. Um, what what do you feel that would be the best strategy for a person coming into dental school, their kind of best mindset of coming in? You know, these are all new people. You know, granted, you're not going to go into a dental school with all your best friends. So what giving that personal advice, what do you think is the best mindset approach to approaching all these new people? Be open minded. That's what I would say. Try to become friendly with everyone. Don't just be like, wow. He looks really cool. Let's become best friends and then like not give anyone else a chance. Yeah. I say give everyone else a fair chance. You know, you never know who you're going to meet within your dental school class. Like maybe even at the socials during the first week or two of school, you should like make it a goal of yours to at least sit down and talk to like half of your class because there are going to be at most of the schools, at least probably an average of 100 students within your class. So I'd say try to get to know them all because there were people within my class that I didn't even speak to for the first time until the end of the third year. And now they're like a super close friend. Mm -hmm. So I'd say just be very open minded. OK, great. And last question for you. So um, since you just finished up your application process uh, to a job, what is some advice you can give to students who are now still looking for jobs? I would say, well, also be open-minded. And I would say, like, don't be shy because a lot of these people, like, they are trying to sell you just as much as you need the job. But they also want to hire a dentist that has a good personality because if you listen to podcasts, the dentists that are the most successful are either very good-looking, which not everyone's blessed with, or have a good personality. So... You know, you need to have one of the two. But when you're talking to the recruiter, the personality is going to matter more because they don't always get to see what you look like until you walk in, which is like the second or third step of the interview. So I would say just like have a really good, like open personality, like, you know, listen to what they have to say. They've been doing this for a long time. And like usually like if you click with the recruiter, it's more or less going to be like, a good fit because they're a recruiter for a reason. Like the company hired them for that job because they know that they have a good personality and they're usually like super friendly. So if you can't get along with them, like the chances of getting along with someone that's not as friendly are pretty slim. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's some great advice. All right, Lori, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there any uh, contact information you want to give our listeners, like Instagram, anything like that? Um, I have an Instagram. It's at Dr. Lori L O R I Gruskin G R U S is in Sam K I N is in Nancy. That's my Insta. Feel free to hit me with a follow. <laughs> she so, follows back. Yeah. Yeah, I follow back if, unless you're spam. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for coming on the interview, Lori. All right, fam. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode with special guest Lori Gruskin, fourth-year dental student about to graduate, talking about how to secure jobs and everything. You guys all are appreciated. Make sure you guys let your friends know about the podcast. Tell them about it. Let's get more listeners going and show the support. Follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. And make sure you guys check out our Teespring for all of your favorite dental apparel. Everyone's still studying for boards. Make sure you use code VIBES75 on bnbdental.com to get $75 off your purchase. Make sure to tune in for the coming week's episodes. We have quality content being put out for you guys. And just stay safe, hunker down, quarantine in, vibe on. Yeah.